Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans, and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. Hope everybody enjoyed National Signing Day and a thrilling comeback for the UF basketball team as they rally from a 22-point deficit to beat the Georgia Bulldogs 81-75. to Sorry for missing you guys on some episodes this week. Unfortunately, my wife went to the ER on Tuesday, so I was out of commission for a couple days, but everything is okay with my family, and I will get back at it to talk about this 2020 class that Florida signed and the comeback victory over the Georgia Bulldogs. But let's start with recruiting as National Signing Day, which fans always have circled on their calendar, finally arrived on the first Wednesday in February. And it was a mixed bag of results for the Gators as they got an upset in the afternoon as four-star defensive end Princely, and I'm going to butcher this last name, Uman Milen, made a surprise commitment to Florida. He went with the Gators over in-state programs, Baylor and Texas, and the Bears were considered the heavy favorite, but Florida was able to win him over with his official visit in January, and he told reporters after announcing his decision that he wanted to play college ball in the SEC. He wanted to be challenged, and he wanted his game to be taken to the next level, and that's certainly something that David Turner is going to do as he finishes off an incredible defensive line class with five signees, and it was one of the strengths of Florida's 2020 class, along with the group of wide receivers as the Gators signed Xavier Henderson and Justin Shorter as the other additions on Wednesday and that puts their class at four wide receivers who have inked on the dotted line and that replenishes the four seniors that they lost after the 2019 season. So you get in Henderson, you get Shorter, a former five-star recruit, you get Jaquavion Frazier's an Under Armour All-American and you get in Texas transfer Jordan Pouncey. So Billy Gonzalez and the rest of the staff doing a good job of getting Florida's numbers up at receiver, as we've talked about already. And then you look at the class as a whole. Florida also got their quarterback of the future in Anthony Richardson. They got up their numbers on the offensive line, and they signed a five-star linebacker in Derek Wingo. But there were some holes in this class. Florida did not sign a running back recruit. They did get a transfer in Lorenzo Lingard. But the two high school prospects that they were after in the month of January, Jameer Gibbs and Ashad Clayton, those guys who both visited on January 24th, decided to stick with their original pledges to Georgia Tech and Colorado, respectively. And that leaves the Gators without a running back recruit in this class. But as Mullen indicated on Wednesday, Lorenzo Lingard, who is a former five-star prospect like Justin Shorter, was the number one target that this staff had at the position. Now, it's unclear at what point in the process they identified him and maybe when they got wind that he was trying to transfer from Miami. But ever since he came onto their radar, Mullen says he was the top guy that they wanted. And Mullen also suggests from these comments here that Clayton and Gibbs, although they were four-star prospects, weren't the type of running backs that everybody on the staff felt all in on. Here's what Mullen had to say about how they ended up with Lingard and not any running back recruits. We needed to take one running back in this recruiting class, and we decided early on he was the guy. And so, um, you know, sometimes you'll consider other guys if it's somebody that we thought was special, but we didn't really find that guy that we we felt all in on yet. I don't know. It's still a long way. So, I mean, we, we'd consider somebody else. We had to get the one, and, and he was kind of the one early we, we, we identified, and that – 
that kind of filled up the running back. So we'd look for someone special beyond that, you know, if we wanted to sign over at the running back position. Now, while Clayton and Gibbs might not have been big misses for this staff, Avante Williams certainly was the top 100 safety from DeLand, Florida. We've talked about him several times over the last couple weeks, and everybody pretty much felt that once he visited Florida and then canceled his official visit to Georgia, that he was going to end up with the Gators. Well, that did not happen as he makes a surprise decision and goes with Miami. Now, he was once committed to the hurricane, so there is some history there, and made the decision to rejoin that class after visiting UM in January. Here's what Mullen had to say about losing out on Avante Williams. I like him. I thought this was a really good place for him to be for the type of kid he is. I think he's a really good person uh, and like him as a kid and uh, and always wish guys the best. Uh, I think we had one of the top defensive back signing classes already in the country, so really not that much. It would have just been kind of a, you know, a nice addition to that at the end. But um, I think if you look at who we brought in in this DB class, I think we had one of the top DB classes already in the country, so it's not that big a deal. When you look at their DB class, Maybe he does have a point because they signed six players at the position in December, including four four-star prospects. And Mullen reiterated on Wednesday that Travez Johnson, the three-star safety out of Jacksonville, is a guy that people are sleeping on and he thinks could be one of the top players in the class. Mullen also reiterated that he's expecting to see some big things from the receivers that they signed last year who were also slept on during the recruiting process. But, I mean, as far as the guys maybe that don't get all the uh, attention, Trevez Johnson's a guy I said right from the beginning, I think, that, that some people might sleep on. Lamar Goods, I'm really excited to have him. I've seen him really progress since he's been on campus. You know, those are those are a couple guys that jump out to me that maybe weren't, you know, I could say Javon Dexter, that's not really that, you know, that's not like going out on a limb maybe, you know, or Xavier Henderson, that's not really going out on a limb that way. But, you know, it's kind of those those guys to me. I, I think, you know, you look back last year and everyone, you know, I'll take Ethan White. I think he was our, according to websites, he was our lowest ranked recruit. And he played the most. Honestly, I think it's two years in a row because I think actually Evan had that the, the year before. He was our lowest ranked recruit, and he played the most. But but I think when you see some some guys, I think when we evaluate, we trust our evaluation process and what we do and what we see. You know, I, th I think you might see that in some of our wide receivers coming up this year. Uh, the ones, you know, and I'm talking about the ones that signed last year that everyone's like, oh, okay. All right. We'll wait and see. I'll let you all be the judge of that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Those three young wideouts. So we'll see what guys like Jamarcus Weston can do in 2020. But right now, everybody's looking forward to Justin Shorter and what he could bring to the table, especially if he receives a waiver to play immediately. He comes over from Penn State with not a lot of production in that passing game. But Mullen said that he and his staff like what they saw from Shorter based on his high school film and what he was able to show in college. Obviously, he's a guy that's got tremendous size and athleticism. You know, he's a mismatch at the outside. Got great speed, great hands, good route runner. Can be a mismatch, you know. And then, uh, so I love that part of him watching him on film, both from high school and, and the Penn State. But then when you get around him, you know, and you get around him as a person and his family, great kid, high character guy, hard worker, you know, really fits what we are as a program. And that's what I'm really excited to get him here. I know he's really excited to get here and be a part of it, and I'm really excited to get him here.
Now, as I mentioned earlier, one of the bright spots for this 2020 class was how the Gators did on the line of scrimmage, signing five defensive linemen and four offensive linemen. John Hevesy and David Turner did a really good job at their respective positions. And now Dan Mullen is starting to feel like the Gators have the depth and numbers that they need along the line of scrimmage to be able to compete in the SEC because, as we all know, this is a line of scrimmage league. I mean, the depth's getting there. We got to get, you know, we have some really solid young guys. We just got to, you know, now we got to get that depth of not just bodies, but depth of guys prepared, ready to play. The great thing is having a bunch of those guys enroll early uh, so that they get to go through spring, you know, and they get to train. They get to transform their body a little bit. You know, I mean, at this time last year, uh, everybody's looking at an Ethan White, right, and saying, okay, you know, who's this major project? But by the end, by, you know, by about game seven or eight, he was ready to go. Uh, by coming in early, learning the system, getting to play, getting in shape, going through off-season conditioning. So having our guys enroll early on the offensive line gives them that jump and that advantage to do that, which can give us the opportunity to add depth right away this season. Now, with the Gators missing on Avante Williams and the other running backs that they were recruiting, a lot of fans upset on Wednesday with some of those results and specifically with some assistant coaches and the job that they've done recruiting. Mullen was asked Wednesday how he goes about evaluating his assistant coaches and how their recruiting success or lack thereof factors into the equation. Well, I think it's a huge, it's a, it's a major part of their evaluation as a, as a staff. Uh, now, how do I evaluate it? I evaluate it, you know, or did you do a quality job recruiting guys in your area? Did you do a quality job recruiting guys at your position? Not just the guys that we got. Did we do a good job recruiting? Did we do, you know, would you look back and say, did we do everything we could to get this guy? And if the answer is yes, you know, hey, he just didn't come to you, went somewhere else. Uh you know, if the answer is no, then what were the mistakes? What were the issues? What did we do wrong? What could we have done differently? Uh, and, you know, uh, and that's kind of where, what would go into their evaluation. I tell you, you did a great job. You did everything I would that we could have done uh, to get this guy. And, uh, you know, as I look at it, I mean, I go back and, hey, you know, did we you, – you, hey – we talked to him, we wrote him letters, we did this, we visited. Every time we could get to the school, we went to the school. We saw him play a game. We had him on campus multiple times. We had him on campus with an official visit with the family, home visits, everything we could do. Kid decided to go somewhere else. You know, I mean, that happens. And so, um, you know, for us, that's kind of how I evaluate with the assistant coaches. And if there's something we missed, then that's what you got to fix, and that's what you put as the negative aspect of the value of what it would be in the evaluation of the recruiting process of that coach. And speaking of assistant coaches, Mullen has reportedly hired a new one. According to Football Scoop, he will replace Gators tight end coach Larry Scott with Tim Brewster from North Carolina. Now, Florida fans might be familiar with that name from his time at Florida State. He was a key assistant for Jimbo Fisher during their national championship run and all the years where they were getting a ton of top five recruiting classes. Now, before he went to Tallahassee and really made a name for himself on the recruiting trail, he spent one year at Mississippi State with Dan Mullen in 2012. So they've worked together, and then he came to FSU with Jimbo Fisher. He followed him then to Texas A&M, and then he spent this past season at North Carolina. But this is a huge hire for Dan Mullen, especially from a recruiting standpoint. As we talked about earlier this week with Joseph Hastings from GatorsTerritory.com, Larry Scott was one of the better recruiters on staff. So to get a guy like Brewster, who has the pedigree and recruiting resume that you look for, it's going 
going to be big. I mean, this guy is a bulldog on the recruiting trail, and he's going to be able to make a difference and help Florida land maybe some of the guys that they've been missing on the past couple years. And finally, on the 2020 class, the Gators already have 10 of their 23 signees on campus right now going through winter workouts and getting ready for spring ball. Here's what Mullen had to say about how those guys have looked so far. Uh, you know what? I'm really pleased with them. I think they've done a good job. I have, you know what? I think everybody's in pretty good shape. You know, one of the things I always told, I told all of them before they got here, I don't care about how much you lift weights. I could care less whether you can lift 400 pounds or 100 pounds. I just care that you're in good physical condition so that you can do the workout. They've done a great job with that, all of them, really positive uh, in their growth development and what they've been able to do within the workouts so far. So it's not like, hey, we've had to hold this guy back. They've, they've finished every workout. We had Matt drills this morning, and you wouldn't have been able to say that guy's a freshman that just got here. And so I'm really pleased with how they've done that. So we got a couple more weeks of that, and then we'll get into spring ball to see what, how it translates to football. But I'm really pleased with all of them so far. When we come back from this first break, we'll recap Florida's 81-75 to win over Georgia. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Gators is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Gator fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Gator fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back into the show, and what a thrilling game in the O-Dome as the Gators get another 20-point comeback this season, improving their record to 14-8, and 6-3 and in SEC play. They were down 22 points, 52-30, to with less than 17 minutes remaining in the second half, and that's when the Gators caught fire, going on a 39-7 to run, including a 14-0 run at one point. And then they took the lead with eight minutes to go in the second half and got it up to 69-59. I mean, it was an absolutely incredible comeback and match the largest on record in school history. The Gators also rallied from 22 points down in February 1993 on the road at South Carolina. And we've already seen once a season the Gators battle back from 20 points after they were down 21 against Alabama in their SEC opener. Now, Mike White's going to talk here in a second about how he feels about all that with the Gators getting down by that many points, but also being able to rally. Florida was also down 15 points at halftime, and that marks the largest halftime deficit that the Gators have ever come from behind in in a home game. And it was just an awful first half for this team. They shot 35% from the field, including 2 for 12 from beyond the arc. That's 16%. But in the second half, a totally different story. The Gators shot 60% from the floor, 18 to 30. And then they were 64% from beyond the arc 7 of 11 just a complete turnaround and 180 by this team now Mike White was really happy that his team was able to get the win but bothered by the fact that they got down by 20 plus points again here's what he had to say after the game we're not the toughest team of course um we've struggled with inconsistencies obviously 
we're very emotional as a team. When things are going really good, we play really well. And we've seen when we dig ourselves 20-point deficits. And that's not what championship teams do. So, great win. Um, but Mick asked, you know, you got to be proud. Yeah, proud of a lot of things. Uh, but not proud that we got our, that we dug ourselves that big of a hole. Did a lot of great things in the second half. Point guard Andrew Nemhard once again led the way for the Gators. He hit the three that put them up in the second half. He scored on the drive to put the Gators up by four points. And then his steal at the end of the game pretty much sealed it. And he scored 19 of his 25 points in the second half, including 14 over the final seven minutes. And that 25 points matches his career high that he set against Alabama when the Gators came back against the Crimson Tide. So both times that they've been able to pull off these rallies, Andrew Nemhard has led the way. And in that game against Alabama, he also scored 15 in the final five minutes and two overtime periods. So he's really coming up big for his team right now. And here's what Mike White had to say about his point guard after the game. It was huge. And um, he showed some toughness. You know, uh, severe uh, Wheeler applied a lot of heat on Andrew, and he is a quick, fast dude, and uh, he, applied, he applied a lot of heat on us too, offensively, um, just just putting pressure on the rim and, and on our defense, but um, we really rode him, you know, we rode him and put a lot of pressure on him um, to make plays down the stretch, uh, again, in, in simple uh, middle ball screen stuff. And he made big plays, he, he, made, he made a lot of the right plays. It was also a big night for Keontae Johnson. He scored 13 of his 15 points in the second half and was really key on that run that the Gators had. He was hitting threes. He was driving at the basket. And as Mike White said, he was just playing aggressive. There was no hesitation in his shot, and he really liked what he saw on the floor from number 11. I, I thought it was as confident as Keontae's played. You could see it in his eyes, his body language. Uh, the first three he made, he just caught it, shot it, didn't think about it. Uh, kind of... Shot like a shot like a two guard, and um, he's continuing to progress. He's playing with a high level of confidence, and uh, when you're when you're out there not playing very confidently, sometimes it just takes one guy, you know, to make a big play for you like that. And all of a sudden, Trey Mann got us going, and Andrew Nemhard, we rode him with middle ball screen stuff, of course, the majority of the second half. The confidence level, you know, probably as big a word as any um, from first half to second was totally different. Um, and then we really got our mojo going defensively. Our guys uh, did a great job of communicating on the other end away from us. And the most encouraging performance of all had to come from freshman point guard Trey Mann, the former five-star who has not lived up to that billing so far. But in the second half against the Georgia Bulldogs, he turned it on, scoring all of his 11 points. He hit a huge three in the corner and then also scored on a really nice drive where he adjusted midair. Mike White said after the game that it was the best game that he's seen from Trey Mann. This was Trey Mann's best game. In addition to scoring, takes two huge charges, positive energy, showed toughness. We talk about softness at halftime. You know, uh, fly the ball and, and you know, give your body up for your teammates. Those, those are winning plays. You know? Taking a charge at this level is equally as important, if not more important, than making a jump shot. You know, it's, uh, those are big plays. He was, he was really good. Played. Played with confidence as well off of the bounce. I remember he had a drive, uh, and I'm not sure he's done this all year. He probed and pulled back, and then he probed again, and he had an opportunity maybe to shoot it up, and 
um, collected himself in the paint and uh, pivoted and, and found. Is that what it was? Neymar on top of the key? Yeah, big, big play by Trey. You know, so he, he not only benefited from other guys uh, you know, getting him opportunities, but he did the same thing. Now, we've talked a lot about the points that got put up, but you have to credit Florida's defensive effort in the second half, especially when you consider how Edwards just went off for Georgia in the first half. But the Gators were able to respond and get a comeback for the ages. Mike White was asked after the game, is he more surprised that his team gets down by these huge deficits or that they're able to rally back? And Mike White said that it was the former. The dog, the deficit. Yeah, I did not see that coming. Because, again, I, I thought our energy level was pretty consistent in Nashville. And we, we talk about it and talk about it, and uh, we're not there yet. We're going to keep swinging away at it. But, uh, again, we're, we're emotional. Um, we're emotional. A bad call in our, in our, you know, in our minds, you know, uh, not necessarily mine, but you know, a guy out on the court uh, thinks he got fouled or missed a couple in a row or Messed up the scout report assignment and Coach Hollers at him. How, how we respond to those things this season has not been very good. And um, yeah, we, got, we can use some excuses if we want, but we got to grow up. Um, and we've spent more time in the past three weeks talking about those things than offense or defense, really. Um, our responses to adversity, uh, our mental toughness, our discipline, um, how we move on to the next play like championship-level teams do. That'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators on today's show. We recap National Signing Day in the 2020 class for the Florida Gators. We also looked at their 81-75 comeback win over the Georgia Bulldogs. On tomorrow's show, we'll break down this 2020 class some more and look ahead to Florida's matchup on Saturday against Mississippi. Stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.